yo. <laughs> Fucking god. I'm sorry to upset you so much. It's alright. I'll overlook it for the sake of the show and our fans. This is Justin Lesko, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt and former pro MMA fighter. And I'm Mike Callahan, I'm Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt and a law enforcement officer. Welcome to that Jiu-Jitsu podcast. We have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to discuss, so let's a not waste time. any time and let's get right into so much has happened. Like I'm checking my phone, like right up to the minute we start recording this, because like news is coming out left and right about UFC stuff. Right. Um. Obviously, Connor is pretend retired again. Pretend retired again. Yeah. So like it comes out over the weekend that he's retired, which, but kind of you know dick move timing of like we should be talking about and we you and i will talk about amanda nunez dominant win two vicious knockouts aljo with a beautiful choke like now the story becomes sunday morning connor announces his retirement and sort of steals a little bit of that thunder but with that homemade retirement cake from his yeah. I was expecting to see, like, up in the left corner, like, Getty images. Like, he just pulled yeah. it off of Google or something. Yes. Connor did that interview with Ariel where he basically said, like, the game doesn't excite him right now. And it seemed like, from that statement, that he he said he basically is foreseeing they're supposed to do the Gaethje-Khabib fight. He doesn't think it's actually going to happen, and then he has to wait longer for the fight. And he claims he wanted to do him versus Gaethje for an interim title, and the UFC said no. So it kind of reads to me like a I'm taking my ball and going home thing. Yeah, why create an interim title? Yeah, like at this at this juncture. Like I understand a, the Khabib Ferguson fight fell through a bunch and I understand that Khabib's not really been the most reliable, but uh a global pandemic is uh right a pretty legitimate reason right like Like when you're confined to your country and you really can't leave to go anywhere that's a legitimate reason but Um, here's a but here's connor's shtick is he announces he's retired and then the khabib tony fight's gonna happen and then in october we're gonna hear the storyline for the fight is gonna be the fight that pulled connor out of retirement connor's unretiring just for this fight because if Khabib wins, which I do think Khabib will win, even though I hope Justin will win, we'll talk yeah. about that as it gets closer. But as Khabib wins, this is the Connor had to come out of retirement to get his revenge on Khabib, and that's what's happening. And then if Justin wins, then it's the oh, this is the fight everyone everyone wants to see. Two guys are going to stand and bang, and it's just it's a bargaining chip right now to try to get what he wants, and then it's a it's it's a hype machine for the fight that. It'll eventually happen in the fall. He just wants to stay relevant and keep his name out there. He's going to fight the winner of that fight. Cejudo's going to come back. Well, they just announced that um, Alexander uh, Volkanovski yeah. is fighting Max Holloway in July. That's a, the third title fight on that card. Like We have so much to talk about I tonight. Know. But so dude, those, are, those guys are fighting? So, but yeah. Cejudo, Cejudo will come out and fight for the featherweight title. If, I don't if care. I don't want that. I don't I don't want that fight. Like I don't it's it's he's so cringe. It's nonsense. Um and then John Jones is gonna fight either like Don 
uh, Dominic Reyes. He's going to fight uh, Nganu. Like, he's going to fight somebody. The, the, the three of them, there's no way that they don't fight. It's just... Well, when Cejudo originally announced he was retiring after the last fight, it was like just conveniently at the time when he's supposed to be renegotiating his contract. And he's, it, it, again, it's, it's just a, another bargaining chip. He, he thinks that he's more desirable than he is. And his whole, like, I'm, I'm cringy, like that whole act. That's like terrible. He, but he it jumped really the shark. It's terrible. It's, it's really bad that, like, you could be cringe in a way that I enjoy that I don't like you, but it's so cringe that, I'm just over it. I don't. I. I don't even want to watch it to hate watch it. I just don't want to watch it at all. Like, get out of here. Just be yeah. retired. Go away. Just be done. And, and Dana White kind of took that stance too. He said after the after the fight when he announced that he was on board with the retirement, and then he stripped him of the title. Like he's like he like said, immediately. Like he's like yeah. we're gonna give him like nine days to figure it out. I'm like that's kind of an odd number, but I can dig it. So you have yeah. So John. Went off on Dana again this weekend. We talked about it last week how he was going off on Dana, and then he's going off this week about the UFC gave him a Bentley to like distract him from the fact that he wasn't making any money, and the UFC was making millions off of him. And it's like, yeah, a Bentley is great, but I also like I want that money. Like if I'm at a point where the company's giving me a Bentley, get that yeah, money too. But I feel like this is a recurring theme on this show. <clears throat> but here we go. Episode four, we're into all the recurring themes. UFC. If you're giving out Bentleys for fights. I'll take one. I'm totally available. <laughs> like, no, it's, this has been the, the long-standing knock on MMA. And it's, again, so early on in the grand scheme of things with MMA. But if you look at the purses that the boxers pulling crazy compared to what the top stars yeah and like even if you look at like if you look at it from a pure number standpoint of boxers make x and ufc fighters make y the biggest number is the percentage of revenue thing like when you look at there's no revenue sharing yeah when you look at percentages of what nfl players are bringing in and, and nba players are bringing in the ufc guys are making half of what the other major sports in this country are yep, making that. and then like literally risking your life every time you go out there. There was just yeah. a thing I saw Gray Maynard had put out about someone had asked him if he was getting, if they got bonus monies, like for those wars he had with Frankie Edgar. And he was saying he got a hundred K like as a bonus. But he said when he was walking to the cage for one of the fights, he realized I'm getting like 26k for this fight i don't remember the exact numbers were but it was like 26k for this fight and it cost me 20k for the training camp so if i lose i'm losing money on this deal like it's awful and like they almost killed each other in that fight that was one of the most brutal fights and but this is the point where it's like dana's had this has this mentality now where he even said about Masvidal, because Masvidal also wants more money. Like, yeah. if you don't want to fight, you don't have to fight. John doesn't want to fight, he doesn't have to fight. Masvidal doesn't want to fight, he doesn't have to fight. Like, you kind of need these guys, Dana. They, there really wasn't a general consensus on how much the UFC was worth until they sold it. Until the, yeah. 
Peter Brothers sold it to uh, Ari Emanuel, right? That's yeah. his name? Yeah. I'll always say it's, Ari Gold, though, because yeah, that's who... Yeah, that's who it's based on, right? Yeah. It's difficult, if you're the UFC, to then go and say, like, we don't have the money. You just... This company's worth $4 billion. They just bought a private island. billion. Dollars. Like, Dana White, he made out of that deal the best because he got equity in the UFC when Afrikitas bought it to be the president. So I think he got 10% of the company. So he made $400 million on the sale of that, um, on the sale of the UFC. And then they put him back in the same position. So he's getting paid a salary. And I believe that he got equity in the company again. Like it, like these guys, and you're paying these guys, you see people on the main card that are getting 16 to fight, 16 to win. Yeah, you know, that's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. When you're buying a private island to put on fights so you can keep making money, they didn't. You buy got it. the money. They didn't buy it. They didn't buy it. They leased it. I don't know. I it's guess they leased it. He he got he got very heated the other day because Masvidal said something about buying an island, and he's like, "I'm just I'm saying this for the billionth time. I didn't buy an island, but like that would be the ultimate like." Like, All right, listen, listen. If you're in the conversation where you may or may not have bought an island, right. you can pay your employees more. But just an island, like I'm gonna just buy an island for temporary purpose, like temporarily, just yeah. to serve my whatever needs this UFC has temporarily. Like yeah. that is the definition of fuck you money. Like I have enough money to just splurge, buy an island, and then in a couple weeks or months, just totally be done. Never go there again. Yeah, yeah, I'm fucking done. Yeah. Well, like the whole Masvidal thing, because one of the fights, I mean, I get, all right, let's get into the, the July card that was announced. One of the fights is that it's going to be Usman versus Gilbert Burns. And Masvidal was saying about how, I, I think he kind of implicated himself a little bit because he was like, why would I take half the money to fight someone when the other guy, meaning Usman, isn't a draw? But I right. think what that really means is, uh, Masvidal, maybe you weren't the draw in the Nate Diaz fight, and maybe this is your actual pay scale. I, who knows? Yeah. I've got just don't whether whether he has a point or not. George, I mean, I don't, don't think anyone, no one cares about Usman. Don't kill us for saying this, but yeah, I know, that's exactly I know. what it is. Like, and nobody does care about Usman. And at the I same agree. Time, I agree. And I think know, Gilbert he, Burns he, gives Usman a, gives him based on the the performance we just saw out of Burns. I think he gives Usman some problems and i don't want usman to be a champion anymore so i'd rather burns gets the fight over masvidal but i mean either way gilbert, it's hard gilbert burns actually fought at a fight were you on that card that he fought on you were yeah that was that was your first fight to win that he headlined yeah against uh he fought nick calvinese from bjj United. yeah yeah that was actually a good that was a good scrap yeah yeah Gilbert Burns is no joke, man. Like, he didn't pass my guard that night when we were at well, that card. I mean, we didn't compete against each other, but he, fight, but he still didn't pass my guard. You weren't doing jujitsu again. Like, when you just walked by him backstage, he didn't yeah, there pass was, your guard. Yeah, yeah. He, didn't, he didn't pass my yeah, guard. I actually don't think we were even in the same locker room, but regardless. They gave, do you remember that? They gave them their own locker room upstairs, and they yeah. moved all the other fighters downstairs. Yeah, and I do remember that. We walked upstairs after your fight, and I'm like, we walked in and it was him and his brother and like their whole family. I'm like, we are not supposed to 
yeah, this is not where we're we're, we're, we're not, not on this level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but Masvidal, like again, it, it it is hard when you just made a ton of money for one fight to accept a fight at a lower amount of money when it's gonna be for like a quote unquote legitimate title this time as opposed to the BMF belt, the fight you just had. But again, like. I don't know what the answer is. If you're Masvidal, I understand not wanting to fight, but you're not going to get what you're asking for in any other fight anyway. So, like, what do you do? And I don't think Masvidal has the money where he can just not ever fight again. So it's like maybe at a time when you have Connor, air quotes, retired. Jones is beefing over money. Cejudo is retired. Masvidal's beefing over money. Maybe we should think about a union where these type of issues don't have to happen as frequently. Maybe these guys should get together. I mean, they've tried it before and Dana crushed it. But, crushed it. but that's the other problem, too, is that he um such a stranglehold on the fight. It's like a monopoly. I mean, I, you can't really say that because there's other um, organizations out there. Uh, but, but it, like, it, look... Like, Leslie Smith was, like, the one spearheading the fighters' union for the UFC guys. And what happened? They just, they just cut her. <laughs> See you she later. Bellator, and, all right, yeah, I mean, now, your career, now she's still making, fighting, but, like... Now she's making 7500 to fight and 7500 to win. Yeah, like, if they... It's, you would need, if you were going to do a union, you need Jones, Masvidal, Connor. You need the biggest guys to all pull together and get something going. And the other thing too is if you're if you're looking to go to another organization and you're a fighter, the other organizations they'll splurge on on like one fighter. So like that one fighter might come back and be like, I'm making more money than I ever was with the UFC. It's like, yeah, because they just decimated their bankroll to bring you over here and you're not fighting at the level that you were before. But yeah, if look, you're look like guys like Benson Henderson, who left right. the UFC and went to Bellator, and they probably paid him more money than they had ever paid anyone else sure. at the time he went there. But like, he's yeah. also fighting in the B leagues. You know, it's yeah, they don't they they very rarely make decisions regarding talent that come back and bite them in. Yeah, and guess what? If they do, if they're wrong. It, like if they let Dan Henderson go and then he goes to Strike Force and he starts doing well, we'll just sign him back. We'll just know? buy Strike Force. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so Jones has his big beef that's happening right now with wanting more money and, and all that. Connor's fake air quotes retired. Cejudo's retired, but says he'll come back if the right fight for Volkanovski's there. Then Masvidal is basically saying he wants more money, which we know he's probably not going to get. So of those four, who fights first? Who's the first one to either end their retirement or end their, I guess, holdout, for lack of a better term? Uh, either Jones or Masvidal. And the reasoning behind that is because both of them were ready to fight. Yeah. You know, so they both, like, Jones wanted to fight in Ganu. And Masvidal, Masvidal, okay, so it'll probably be Masvidal because he just wanted to fight, right? He wanted to fight Usman, and he wanted to fight Diaz, so he wants to fight. And he's, it's not going to take a colossal amount of money to get him back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, then Jones, 
and I think he moves up to heavyweight. If not, they make him fight Dominic Reyes again. Which then, I think he lost that first fight to Dominic Reyes, no. by the way. So I yeah. Disagree. We disagree. We do disagree. He, he was he came on yeah. strong rounds four and five, but yeah. he, he clearly three, lost four, one, two, five. and three. No, well he clearly lost one and two and then um I think one, three, four, and five. But then I would say McGregor and then I'd say Cejudo. I think Cejudo's big thing about wanting the fight at 45, I don't, I don't think... All right, so Volkanovski versus Holloway 2. Whoever wins that, I don't think either of them gives a shit about fighting Henry Cejudo. You know what I mean? Like, why would that be on your radar? So I, I agree that he would be the last of those four to fight again. I, do th- I, I pretty much agree with, with your ranking, but also because of timing of... If McGregor's only going to come back for that title right, fight, it's fight? not going to be till the winter. Exactly. So it's all right. So we're in, we're in agreement, maybe for different reasons, but we're in agreement. And the other well, thing we, you have to write here's the other thing about Pudo, right? So when he won that gold medal, I think he won that gold medal at 55 kilos, which is like 120 pounds. Yes. Okay. So. Then he moves up and he starts fighting at 125. Then he starts fighting at 135. Then now he's going to go fight these guys at 145. Like Max Holloway is a fucking monster for 145 pounds. You know he really um, is. He's a big guy. Volkanovski is 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 also he's not tall, but he's a big guy too. Like Volkanovski used to be a rugby player who was weighing over 200 pounds. Like he's. He fights at 45 now, but he's thick, dude. He's got size on him. Like, I mean, eventually there's going to have to be a limit as to what Cejudo's trying to do. I know he wants to, but I think his eyes are are too big for his stomach at this point. Here's what I think happened. Here's what I think happened with Cejudo. He thought, because as I said earlier, it was like contract renegotiation time. He thought if he retired that everyone would be against it. And no one cared. Everyone was either relieved he was retired or just did not care. So his whole plan of I'm going to bluff a retirement backfired when we all called him on it. So now he's trying to drum up this 45 talk because he's trying to like, I'll come back now. I'm ready. I'm ready. Because I remember I said that about fighting at 45. Like he's just trying to get back in because his bluff didn't work. Yeah. And let's not forget that they almost shut a fucking division down when he was the champion. With him as the yeah. champion, they were like, nah, maybe we won't have a 125-pound class anymore. Yeah, we, we could probably do without it. Yeah. All right, see you, yeah. guy. I mean, move up and wait or don't and just leave. Like, we're good one way or the other. So, yeah, yeah he's not, like, he, people, when he does that cringeworthy shit, people aren't laughing with him. Like, they're yeah. laughing at him. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it, it's, it's not like a crowd pleaser it's not like people are like oh he's great like he's a great fighter obviously but oh my god he's brutal to watch try to promote his fight yeah it's awful it's awful he he's like usman i don't give a shit about usman like obviously he's a great fighter but i i just like that he beat up colby cubby me too i really enjoyed that I, i really really enjoyed that but i just i don't so when usman was on joe rogan's show Right, I, it was a great interview. I came away from it like, all right, like okay, Usman, I I see you, I see you know what you're about. 
Right. And then ever since then, I've never seen that guy again. I've seen whatever like character he's trying to put on or if he's trying to be on purpose the most bland guy in the world. I just I want that real interaction like he had with Joe and I just I'm not a fan because I don't feel like anything he's saying is genuine. Like I'm just I'm just not into his gig. I'm just not into what he's putting out. So when like the UFC really started going mainstream, it was like 2004 ish. You know, it was like because 2000 that was like with the Ultimate Fighter and everything. But like you had the guys like Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell, Matt Hughes, Rich Franklin. Like those guys just fought. You know, and it really wasn't until McGregor came around. Yeah. That you know, and even before, like when John Jones was younger, he didn't promote fights like he. Up until that DC fight, he didn't really. No, but like now well, people see that as maybe the most lucrative route to go is like be a good fighter and try and sell tickets. And Usman is another cringeworthy. Yeah, you know, he's trying to the hard. content he puts out. You know when he like, when he postures up and he's like talking like it's like what do you? It's like, either when they ask him about Masvidal. It with him, it's either. It's cringe when he's trying or he's not trying and it's super dull and super boring. Like just just be your normal regular dude who happens to be a world champion level fighter and I'd be more of a fan. But so we we sort of touched on all of these fights, but the big announcement of three title fights on July eleventh, Volkanovski versus Holloway two, which that first fight I Volkanovski clearly won, but I'm hyped for the rematch to see how Holloway adjusts because I think yeah, I like I like Max Holloway. I, I he's a good dude, man, and his all of his stuff on YouTube, like the videos he puts out, are so funny. Yeah. You have the Peter Jan versus yeah. Aldo fight, which we previously talked about, is not a, in my opinion, a real championship fight because Aldo has no business being in there, but it's on this card. And then you have Usman versus Burns, which we also kind of talked about already. I think Burns gives Usman trouble, but. And and we'll do we'll we can do more of a breakdown about each fight as it gets closer and predictions and stuff. But putting three it's, title it's, fights on that card is pretty huge. It's one of the most stacked cards in recent recent memory. I'm looking at it right now. Frankie Edgar's fighting Pedro Munoz. Uh, Paige Van Zant's on the card. Um, Rose Namajunas is fighting. Is that this one? Yeah, Jessica Andrade who. Andre, what's the, how do you say her name? Andrade. 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 Yeah. Uh, who slammed her on her head when she, you know, and promptly ended the fight, which Rose was dominating prior to that. But I it's a stack card. The best part about that Rose Andrade fight was Dominic Cruz saying, You see, she has this grip on the Kimura here that means Andrade can't pick her up. And then, like, um, two bam. seconds later, it slams her on her head and knocks her out. But yeah. So let's not spend too much time on this because no, we'll, we, we'll we have a couple weeks. But yeah, and it's more is, just it's, the fact that it was announced, and it was more just the fact that it was announced, you know, within a couple hours of us recording this. So I'm obviously hyped for such a stacked card, and it sort of leads into the card that's this weekend, which is headlined by Jessica I and Cynthia Carvio. And are the UFC putting on too many cards that this has to con- be considered a main event? You yeah, have three title fights. You have three title fights in a couple weeks that you could probably put like two on one card and one headline the one this weekend or spread all three out. But like, are we watering down the products? 
Yeah, it's been a complaint for years. I mean, you, you look back in the days, like, USFC, like, 52 and 50, like, there were, like, two months in between those cards, you know? And then it got to the point where they were putting out a card every month, and I always liked that model. But now, sometimes you have, you know, an outside of this whole COVID thing, um, sometimes you have four cards a month. Like it's sort of like counterintuitive of I I like fights, love watching the UFC. Like I want to watch it as much as possible, but I also try to look at it from this perspective of like if you're a casual fan and you're trying to grow the sport yep. and be even more mainstream, casual is not going to care when there's a fight every weekend and they have no invested like no no emotion invested in who's fighting. And then when you do these super cards with the, the one in July, yeah, you're going to pull in a ton of viewers. But when you follow it up the next week and there's going to be a card headlined by two people no one's ever heard of, you're going to get a big drop off. Like you'd be better served doing a super card once a month and then a month later do another bigger card as opposed to doing you know, four cards a month and no one's on them and no one cares. The fights that happened last weekend were awesome fights. I did think at a couple times throughout the night that DC might have been high when he was doing his commentary. Right. Because he was real giggly the whole time. Like, yeah, it real, was... real giggly. Like the comment- I, I like DC as a commentator. I think he's really good at it. I think he has a heavy wrestling bias, which sometimes get an- gets annoying. But he was giggle fest during that whole card. It's kind of funny to, to listen to. He uh, he wasn't himself. I don't mind him. I really don't. Like I, I think he offers a, a lot, and I, I really like how the UFC puts the fighters on the desk there, right? So you have yeah. Danik, and then you have um, DC and Cruz and Felder and those guys. We talked about it last week, but yeah, I think that's a great move by them. But DC was uh. A little off last weekend. Yeah, but the the main event, the main event was Amanda Nunes. I feel like I say it every week, but greatest of all time. And she just in this fight, I don't know if it was Amanda's the greatest of all time, or if it was a combination of Felicia Spencer had no business being in there with her, or both. But Felicia Spencer super super tough, like sticking it out. Obviously, do you think the corner should have stopped it though after maybe round four? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was obvious early on. Like, it was, you put it, when we were talking today about it, you, I think you put it perfectly. Like, why Kyle fight? Like, and the disparity there is obviously, like, uh, Amanda Nunez is up here, and everyone else is just down here. She has cleaned out both divisions. Like, I, I don't, don't know where you go from here. And ESPN actually had an article that kind of echoes what you're saying about how you know, we should stop putting the label of like female goat and then she should just be included in the greatest of all time. Yeah. And they listed a bunch of people. They list John Jones and they listed uh, Fedor. They listed George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva. Like they, they listed all these people. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I'm ready to put her with there. Just because Saturday night it was so obvious. Like, look at the level of competition yeah. that they're putting in front of her. That girl and, had no business being in the cage. 
and like again, like I, I feel bad like knocking on Felicia Spencer because like she was super tough. She stayed in that fight the whole time. She never yeah. looked for a oh, way yeah. out. Like she on was, a heart. Yeah, but she, the way she moves, like she moves like a soccer mom doing like a cardio class. Ooh, like it, right. it, she doesn't move like an elite athlete. And Amanda Nunes moves and fights like an elite athlete. And the competition disparity, obviously, it's because Amanda is really great, but. I, like you said, I just don't know who else there is for her to really even have a challenge against. When she cleaned out both divisions, I just I don't know where she goes from here. When when she when she fought Cyborg and they were throwing down like the first thirty seconds, you were like, "Holy shit!" Like you knew somebody was going to get knocked out, but like yeah. it was just obvious. Like the way that they were throwing, the way that they were moving, it was just like, "Okay, this is this shit is like two high level strikers." Every other fight that you see. Nunez fight in it's like she just outclasses people on the feet and then she was tossing Spencer around it's like okay yeah. she beat the shit out of me on my feet okay now she just threw me on my head oh and now like, she's beating the shit out of me on the ground it's like where yeah. where do you go and that's what the corner needs to realize like what avenue can she go down in this fight to be successful standing okay that's not happening wrestling okay that's not happening uh Groundwork, okay, that's not happening. Like you have to know that there's there's no way she's gonna win at this point. Yeah, and I think that, that's shot. like that's the that's like the corner's job right there is you should realize everyone has a chance that you could clip somebody. Everyone, you know, has a chance you could fall into a submission or catch something, but at a certain point the you gotta play the odds a little bit. The you landed like right. twelve strikes throughout the first three rounds or whatever it is. The odds of you catching yep. her and finishing her is really, really low, and you're getting beat up. Like the, that's where the corner yep. needs to like save your fighter a little bit. Like I really don't like the mentality of just let her go out on her shield. Like at a certain point, there's no chance you're winning a fight, and like you should be able to trust your your coaches that way. When I broke my arm, like a couple of days after surgery. We went to the academy, and Anthony basically had to tell me, like, "Listen, man, we're done. Like, you're you're hurt. You're, this is it's not worth going on. Like, you're done." And that was it. Like, we've never talked about it again again since then. I just I knew he knew what was best for me, and he had my best interest at heart. And I I listened when he said it was time. It was time. And you should be able to trust your coach that way if you're a fighter. So if we're in if you're in a fight and your coach comes up to you and says this is done. You're not going any further. Like you shouldn't be mad about that. And you should have that level of trust in your, in your coaching staff. The perfect example is Justin Gaethje during that fight with Ferguson. They just released the clips of the corner between all the, all the rounds. Yeah. Eddie's, co- Eddie's cornering round, was rough. But be- between the fourth and fifth round, when Whitman was talking to him, he's like, you got one more. He didn't even know he was going into the fifth round. Yeah, and he was beating the shit out of Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Like he yeah. was obviously on the winning end of that. So imagine how scrambled somebody's head is when they're on the other side. Yeah. You know? so, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. you. You have to, you know, as a corner, you have to have the best interest. It has to be the yeah. top and, priority. And and again, there, it's it's a tough line to walk because anyone can clip anyone. You have to start weighing the how much damage is this person going to take for the low, low probability 
when they haven't landed a punch in five or six minutes of this fight, like I would, I would have, I would have liked to seen her corner stop it, and we can leave it there and move on. Aljamain Sterling looked phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. He came out so quick at the start of that fight, had the back like almost immediately, and what was really impressive was the hand fighting to set up the choke when it was on the jaw, he was squeezing. It wasn't obviously going to finish and he kept it, kept hand fighting like just a beautiful performance. I thought the Sarah jujitsu, man, that the Sarah Longo guys are no fucking joke. Um, yeah, he, you're right. he just, he ran through him. It couldn't have went like, I thought, I thought he was going to win. Um, I wasn't 100% confident, obviously, but he, it was, after that, I'm like, he should probably fight title. Yeah. You know, like, he, like, Jose Aldo, like, see you, guy, you know, like, this, this kid should be fighting title. Although, it's still in the back of my mind how years ago he was calling out Brian Caraway and Brian Caraway, who, uh, <laughs> another cringeworthy fighter, came out and, and beat him, but, uh. Yeah, that was yeah, bad. He he looked really impressive. He looked really, really, really impressive. Um, but I that's what I've always said about those Sarah Longo guys. Like that whole fight team, like Ray Longo is a phenomenal coach, right? Like he's yeah. a phenomenal coach. Yeah. And then when you put in Sarah and, you know, his background and his jujitsu, like those guys are great. I remember Chris Weidman was training jujitsu for like a year and went yeah. up against Andre Galvo yeah. and didn't, and didn't get submitted, you know, like yeah. that's really impressive. Yeah. I think that camp doesn't get like when people talk about like the greatest camps, I, I don't think that they get mentioned as much as they should. Now I sort of hope that Peter, something happens to the, the Aldo fight where Aldo can't make it or something happens and we get Peter Jan versus uh, we're Aljo. Not, we're not, we're not wishing injuries. But you know, if if you run into visa problems or something, you know, visa problems. That's a good way. That's a good way. No one gets hurt. You know, Aldo can fight the winner. Just, of you know, no, versus I don't. Aljo. I don't wish that you get hurt. You know, I, I don't wish harm on anybody. But you know, if you're you run into some passport problems, you get detained at the airport for you know two hours, anywhere yeah. between two hours and and three days. I'm okay with or, that. Or maybe maybe just Dana throws you a hundred k to say your knee hurts and you need a little bit more time and then we can do Sterling versus uh, Peter Yan. But I was also impressed with Cody Garbrandt with the uh, one of the most vicious knockouts you'll ever see with one second left uh-huh. in the round. It, it was he he looked like he was on fast forward, like a sunset just could not catch up to him. Like he just was yeah. It, it was great. It was a so, great performance. He's always been really fast. Um, I just think that the last three fights, he was he was reckless, especially in the Munoz fight. He just he was standing in front of people throwing bombs, and he was leaving his chin out there, and he got rocked, he, you know, multiple get, times by Dillashaw. He'd get angry, his emotions would take over, and he would just start throwing bombs on right hands, and would get caught. And maybe you know he didn't fight for a long time after those three losses you can't heal your chin but maybe like giving his brain a little bit of rest and not getting rocked in the gym and not getting knocked out in fights 
he took some shots this weekend that maybe he, that that rest played a part into it. He switched up camps too, which I always think is good. Like I always like the alpha male guys. They got a great facility out there, right? But it's always difficult when you have fighters who are running the camp. Yeah. Like Faber was running the camp, but he was still fighting. And, um, they had great training partners, but then they started to split up. Uh, he came out to New Jersey, and he was training with Mark Henry, who's Frankie's boxing coach. And then he was training yeah. with Ricardo Almeida and those guys. Like Maybe a change of scenery really you know, benefited him. It, well, it looks like it did. But Mark yeah. Henry is a legit coach. He flies oh, yeah. under the radar sure. a lot, but he's a legit coach. For sure, for sure. I also was impressed with Sean O'Malley finishing Eddie Wineland. Now we talked last week. Eddie Wineland is not, you know, like a journeyman. Yeah, but the way O'Malley set that up with that faint uppercut to come over the top, it was it was pretty. And he's so long, right? Like he's so long, and he utilizes it perfectly. Like he doesn't waste an inch of that of that length. Like he uses every inch of it, and it was obvious. You know, he controlled the distance, and then he just, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, it was, when that when he hit that, like, it was a clean, beautiful, it was a Mark Hunt impression, walk-off KO, walk which off. I yep. love the walk-off KO. It's just one of the most badass things in the world. They hit a dude, you know he's going out, and you don't, like. Yep, and he's done. It was it was beautiful. And then I'm, I'm like, all right, beautiful knockout, like, knockout of the night, knockout of the year, like, what a fight. And then Garbrandt comes out like two fights later and just drops a fucking bomb. I was like, I don't think we deserved these two beautiful knockouts like back to back like this. It was the, such a the cool Garbrandt card. one was actually scary because you're like when he the way that he fell, you're like, okay, like this guy might be seriously injured. And then you they know? they put him on the stool. And then there's like uh, not really paying yeah. attention. He starts like falling off the stool. <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? Then they take the yeah, stool have... away and they got him sitting on the ground. And I'm like, yeah. this could not stool. be the best care. Yeah, this yeah. could not be the best care this guy's getting right now. This is we we got a lot going on with the COVID. We obviously haven't addressed the procedures that need to be you know adhered to by the uh, medical staff. Yeah, we have to we have to revisit what to do if someone's soul gets detached from their body because of our right <laughs> hand. <laughs> Uh, the the uh, one the one fight that uh, we sort of glossed over when we were talking about what's coming up soon is DC versus Stipe three, August fifteenth. Yeah. I uh, I'm glad the fight's happening. I was it was a little wishy washy with whether it was going to happen because Stipe is obviously like everyone knows he's a fireman and he was has come out and said his job was to be a first responder right now with the virus and everything so. It was, we're like kind of running against the clock a little bit where DC's going to retire soon, but I'm glad the fight's happening. I hope Stipe wins it. DC's already said he's retiring, win or lose, so like, it should be a really good end to the trilogy, end to DC's career. I think Stipe needs to win it for the sake of the heavyweight division. You get DC who wins it and then retires. Right, and what happens? Yeah. What happens? Do you let Stipe fight again for it? Like, I don't... What happened? Yeah. Like I think, I think Cormier is going to win. I don't know. I I know in the second fight, Cormier and his mark, coaches <clears throat> mark it down, Patty. Cormier win. Tell the mailman to chalk it up. Chalk it up. I I think uh, his 
Cormier and his coaches were upset that he didn't wrestle more in the second fight, but he was winning the exchanges for those first three rounds until Stipe started working yeah. the body. I don't know. If if DC comes out and Stipe. wrestles a lot, he's obviously going to give Stipe problems, but I don't Stipe's know. Stipe's a good wrestler, too. Stipe, you know, Stipe's a, a well-rounded fighter. It's going to be a good fight. I'm I'm, I'm glad that they finally set the date. So, All right, I, I have an over. That would have that would have been a dick. That would have been a dick move, right? Destroy. Oh yeah, he's not. He's not. He doesn't want to fight. Well, he's a firefighter. He's a yeah. first responder during yeah. the global pandemic. Let's strip yeah. him of his title. Yeah, yeah. Don't be a Dana. Don't be a dick. Well, how about for for DC versus Stipe three over or under? Two and a half eye pokes by DC during the course of the fight. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna entertain this discussion anymore. I I won't let you trample on the good name of a true American hero. I love him on commentary. I love when he fights when he's not poking people in the eyes, and I love when he's not hanging on a towel to make the weight. But outside of oh that, oh my god, <laughs> fucking guy! I'm sorry to upset you so much. It's all right. I'll overlook it for the sake of the show and our fans. So in pure jujitsu news, we had who's number one this weekend. Right. Um, the, the Ryans split one and one. One win, one loss. Yeah. Those Rotolo twins, man, they are uh, they're little savages. And yeah. everybody makes a big deal about Nicky Ryan because I think Nicky Ryan's like 18 now yeah which is uh, which is still unreal that he's like you know he might be 19 but regardless he's either he's way young. he's young and he's really good but these rotolo twins i think they're only 16 years old like, are they that I, the young one, yeah like I, the one the one was only 16 when he competed in abu dhabi last year at uh, at adcc and he uh he took fourth. Like he's a like they're fucking savages, and they're people. I saw somewhere. I think it was Keenan Cornelius said that uh, Nikki is bigger and stronger, but uh, Ty Rutolo has more skill. They were standing next to each other at the weigh-ins, and I'm like, Ty Rutolo is bigger than Nikki. Yeah, and he looked stronger than him when they were. Uh, yeah, during the match, it looked like he was just. Purely, it looked almost. I don't want to say it looked like different weight classes, but it looked yeah. like completely he's different big. strength levels. And he's big. They're they're they train. They fight no gi. Um, I've seen them both in a gi. Uh, they're they're incredible. And the other one, Cade Rotolo, beat uh, Ethan Krenlinstein, who is he actually lives with Gordon Ryan. Um. And he's he's on uh, the Danaher squad too, and he's legit. Um, and the other, I thought, if we're being honest, I think he, I thought he actually beat Cade Rotolo in that fight. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, that was the Nicky Ryan fight wasn't even close. At the end of it, I'm like, yeah, no, this he didn't win. Like, yeah, it was, he it looked it like obvious. in the last like minute and a half or so, like when. Nikki was flattened out. His hips were turned over. 
Bertolo was doing the like the leg weave yeah, pass like, and when yeah. when he came through the to the backside off the the leg weave and Nicky just looked like looked like he had no answer. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was one of those things where it was like there's no submission locked up yet, but I just have this sense that this match is over in under a minute. Like it just looked like Nicky just didn't have an answer and he looked like I don't want to say he looked beaten because that's like bad to say about a person but he just yeah. looked like he was defeated like he he looked like he didn't have an answer for him and it's it's great like i mean again he's so young it's you'd be silly not to think that he's going to be you know at, on top or near the top of the podium at um you know nogi worlds and adcc yeah. in years to come and it, it was it's just crazy to think that these kids the rotolo twins are even younger than he is yeah, it's like the new guard, you know, it's these kids coming up like super young, super talented, super athletic with just, yeah. if you were trying to create a perfect jiu-jitsu fighter, you, yeah. you happen to find it, like it's, it's impressive to watch, but it's just what the new guard is going to be. It's not going to be just dudes who are good, but trained super hard all the time. It's going to be these genetic monsters who also train super hard who also pick up technique extremely easily and that's what you're going to see at the top of the podium it's scary um we didn't need a judge's decision in the gordon ryan fight no although there what it was a no time limit sub only match but kyle bame it was a nice segue it was a nice segue you just did anyway yeah yeah see that segue there um (laughs) it I don't think anybody really thought that Kyle Bain was going to win that. Um, I, I, anytime Gordon Ryan is competing, if I have to lay money down, I would lay it on Gordon Ryan, and that's just the reality of the situation right now. I, I, I don't really think he's going to lose many matches. He's Gordon Ryan. It's, it is what it is. I don't, I don't see anybody beating him. I know Patrick Gaudio said that he wanted to fight him next, but he already beat like he beat him in Nogi World under a rule set which really doesn't play to Gordon Ryan's strength. Well it does. I mean any rule set play, you know, he adapts to any rule set, but like there's no light there's no heel hook uh in IBJJF and I, I just don't see anybody beating him. Yeah. He's well, uh he, he's the, a savage. The the transitions that he finished with this weekend when he it was like he was coming up, and then he sort of had the triangle, and then it was like a shoulder crank. There, were, I think I saw some wrist lock in there too, all at the same time. Like it was just, it was all smooth, you know. And that's when I watch him hit those techniques, and I watch him hit finishes. Like it's always smooth, it's always impressive. It's and here, here's the other thing: he's a fucking gorilla. He is a massive human being. Like and. He's not as big as Buchecha, but he's like 220 pounds. He doesn't have an ounce of fat on him. We're not going to speculate. Yeah, yeah. But you can speculate on your own and, at home. And, and Kyle Bame was bigger than him. Kyle Bame looked like a monster at these weigh-ins. When he was standing next to him, I'm like, this guy's a, an animal. Well, and, well, when Kyle dropped down to attack the legs, yeah. It's like uh, it I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. see this working out very well. And yeah. I mean, Kyle's no slouch. I'm not taking anything away from Kyle, but 
The commentator my said, game plan. Right. That's what the commentator said. The commentator was like, in what universe are you going to heal Hook Gordon Ryan? Yeah. Wouldn't, it wouldn't. Like, in what? You know, like. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be my in, game plan? A, when he fought uh, Buchecha in the finals of uh, ADCC, he, Buchecha went for a heel hook and Gordon Ryan just laughed. Literally I know. laughed yeah. at him on that. Yeah. It was a really cool transition when, like, Kyle dropped for the, the leg and was looking for the heel. And Gordon defended, came up, forced the scramble, caught the submission in the scramble, adjusted the submission, and was able to get a little creative and, and finish. Like, it was it was clean. It was impressive. And, again, it all started from defending, countering, reattacking. Like, he came up on his – I was like, he's going to take his back, and then he's going to implement the back attack system that he has like this is just me like re like going through it like in milliseconds you know yeah but that arm lock when he started i'm like oh he's, he's got just like a triangle arm bar but that almost looked like an americana like a modified yeah arm slash shoulder lock and it was it was fun to watch it was fun to watch i, I, I like those who's number one events you know it's always high production quality it's fight to win shows like yeah, it's the fight to win crew that does it. They they always do a good job. Well, I appreciate everyone sticking out. I don't know how long this episode's going to turn out to be because we obviously had like a ton of stuff that we wanted to get to. A lot of UFC news came out in the last couple days, and we didn't want to skip any of it. So I'm going to try to make this not a four hour long podcast, but I'll do the best I can. We have we actually have like three or four more things we're recording this week we have some really big special guests that are coming on that we're both really excited about so make sure if you haven't already subscribe to wherever you get your podcast make sure you're subscribed because we're going to put a few more things out this week this is the part where you're supposed to say thanks thanks all right thanks guys we'll see you next time